Jesus, I just thank you for your presence. I thank you for your goodness. Lord, I thank you that this is a form of worship right now to just um, go up here. And Lord, I just pray for everyone in this room. I pray, Lord, that they'll have open ears and open hearts. Lord, and they'll really take in um, what you have to say. And I pray this in your holy name. Amen. So I'm going to start off with four truths. It's caught in my hair. <laughs> so I am not holy enough. I have to know all the facts before I tell someone about Jesus. I have to know someone and have a really good relationship with them, know them at least a year before I can open up about my faith. I'm a prophet, which means that I believe I get words from God that I can speak over people to encourage people. But I have to stay in my lane. I am not a very good evangelist. I'm not very good at telling people about Jesus. So I stay here. I get words from God. And I'm, I'm not allowed to go. Like, I'm not allowed to go tell people about Jesus. Tricked you. <laughs> so luckily, they're not truths. However, I spent most of my life believing these four things. I think I had a lot of really amazing role models growing up um, who like my pastor from home. Um, but I would look at them and they would preach and like a lot of people would get saved like every Sunday, which is awesome. But I would get up and preach and not a lot of people would get saved. And that's not like a level. <laughs> but I'd be like, OK, so maybe that's just not my gifting. Maybe that's something I'm not good at. Or I'd look at like amazing preachers like Reinhard Bunke and like all the people would be like flocking to the front to receive Jesus into their lives. And I'd be like, okay, like I, I just don't think like I don't think I have that same gifting. So I guess I'm just gonna do my thing and that's okay. And I realized um there are actually four truths that are true. I am holy enough because Jesus makes me holy. You do not have to know it all to tell someone about Jesus. You do not have to have a really deep relationship with someone before you can open up about your faith. And you do not just have to operate in the giftings you've been given because as we're going to find out, I had a learning experience, but how did I get to that point? So in Joshua 2, verse 1 to 24, is that better? Okay. Uh, we are going to find out a little bit about Rahab. And Rahab is my favorite biblical woman. And I figured, women of the gathering, let's find out about a woman in the Bible. Why not? So, um, Rahab was a prostitute. Okay. Rahab was a prostitute. She was a wealthy woman who owned her own home, which also would have been uncommon in those days um, for women to own homes. So, it probably showed that she had quite a high status. Um, she would have been an innkeeper and pe people would have stayed with her. 
it would have been common for men to frequent the building, um, both from the city and also outside of the city. Um, she would have had visits from the king, which we're going to pick up in the story in a minute. The king messages her. Um, she would have um, probably known a lot of secrets um, that she could have used to gain power, etc. And the king probably would have had her watched too. So what happens in our story? Um, Ryan just preached about this not long ago. So while he was preaching, I was like, oh gosh, that's what I'm doing. That's awesome. So, but luckily he skipped the Rahab part, which is awesome because that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> so um, Joshua sends out two spies into where they're going to go in, um, into the promised land. And where we meet them is the Israelites have been wandering the desert for 40 days, uh, 40 days, 40 years. <laughs> it would have been nice if it was 40 days. Um, 40 years. <laughs> and um, they're ready. They're ready to go. It's go time. Joshua sends out the spies and they go to Jericho, which is the first city over the river. And... Um, they sneak into the city because it didn't open its gates very often, and they go to Rahab, which wouldn't have been that uncommon for visitors to go see her from a foreign land. So it wouldn't have been that uncommon. However, the king found out that they were spies and sends a message to Rahab saying, look, they're spies. Um, you've got to tell me where they are so that I can get them, I can kill them, and we can protect. And Rahab's like, Oh, yeah, 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 they were just here. Um, but if you go now, go go catch them. You, if you go out the gate, you can catch them, you can kill them. That's awesome. Um, but she lied. Uh, actually, the spies were on her rooftop. So she tells the lie, and then she goes up. And this is where we're going to read. <clears throat> so uh, it says in verse 12, now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family because I have shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father and mother, my brothers and sisters and all who belong to them and that you will save us from death. Our lives for your lives, the men assured her. If you don't tell what we are doing, we will treat you kindly and faithfully when the Lord gives us the land. So she let them down by a rope through the window, for the house she lived in was part of the city wall. She said to them, go to the hills so the pursuers will not find you. Hide yourselves there for three days until they return and go on your way. Now the men had said to her, this oath you made us swear will not be blinding on, uh, sorry, not be binding on us unless when we enter the land, you have tied this scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. And unless you have brought your father and mother, your brothers and all your family into your house, if any of them go outside your house into the street, their blood uh, will be on their, on their own heads. We will not be responsible. As for those who are in the house with you, their blood will be on your head if um, a hand is on our head if land is, a hand is laid on them. But if you tell what we are doing, 
We will be released from the oath you made us swear. Agreed, she replied. Let it be as you say. So then the spies go back to Joshua and report everything that Rahab had told them. So they go back to Joshua and they're like, they are so scared because the people in Jericho would have known who the Israelites were, not only because of being let through the Red Sea, um, they were let through the Red Sea and the Egypts followed and then God let the sea go down on them, the Egyptians died. They would have heard that story and been like, oh gosh, like their God is powerful. But then also previous to this, um, they uh, killed two kings and that was also like told across the land. So they had a bit of a reputation and they were pooing themselves. Sorry for mom who's listening to this. <laughs> Just said poo in a church, it's okay. <laughs> um, but they were pooing themselves, they were scared. And that meant that the Israelites had the opportunity, they could take it. So they um, uh, went across the river. So we know that, um, sorry, the spies were hidden for three days. Then they went to Joshua, so that's three days. And then um, they would have crossed the river. We're not sure how long that would have taken. However, God held the river back just like the Red Sea. And there's a symbolism there. There's a connection there to God's promise. Like, here we go again. I've still got you. I never let you go. Trust me because I'm going to do this again. And he let the Israelites go across. And then um, we also know that the Israelites walked around Jericho for six days in silence. Difficult for me, but it's okay. In silence. And then on the seventh day, they did a big yell. Not so difficult for me. And they, um, the whole of Jericho, the walls came down. They stormed it. They killed everyone and wiped everyone out. And we'll find out a little bit about that later. <clears throat> But why am I telling you this? Because I titled it A New Love. And what has this story got to do with a new love? Rahab saw her opportunity and she took it. She could have told, like, told on the spies and told the king. And she could have... Um, I don't know, just ignored them, not let them in the house. However, she, she saw her opportunity to live and not just save her, but save her whole family. And yes, it took risk because she lied to the king. But in that, her whole family was saved. So we know that they had time. We know that the people were afraid. We know that Rahab were not, was knowledgeable. So she went to her family and she was like, please, okay, maybe I can't tell you what's going on, but you know who the Israelites are. Please come to my house at this day and this time and you will be saved. You will be spared. You do not have to die. And the family listened to her, which is awesome. She took the opportunity. 
So I've been working in Mission Arlington, volunteering in Mission Arlington for the last couple of months now. And um, the first day I went in and I went and saw Miss Tilly, who is amazing. And she was like, okay, what, what, are, you, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, I'm here to help. I'm going to come for this amount of time every week. What can I do? And she was like, oh, you can work on the front room. So the front room is basically where everyone comes in who needs help. They sign in, they fill in a form, and then someone will go and take them, um, grant their requests on a yellow sheet of paper, like find if we've got it and write it down, and then pray with them, and then go help them find what they, what they need and what they've requested. So... Miss Tilly, in the first conversation, is like, yeah, pray with people. If you get the opportunity, lead people to Jesus. And I'm sat there going, okay. <laughs> because I still believed those lies, those lies that were going around my head. Like, I'm not holy enough. I'm not good enough. Um, what if something goes wrong? What if I talk to them? And, and what if they, like, reject me? Or what if, like, they freak out and run out the building and then I've got to talk to someone about why this person's running away? And all this stuff's kind of going through my head and she's smiling so sweetly and I'm like, okay. <laughs> and then I go to the front room and there's a sweet, sweet lady there who's like, yeah, I'll help you. You can follow me and do what I do. So... I follow her for the first time and we, we help this man and we pray for the man or she prays for the man. And while she's praying, she says, um, I plead the blood of Jesus over this family. And in my head, I'm thinking, what if he doesn't know what that means? That's going to sound really strange. Pleading the blood of Jesus over someone like, what is he going to think? What if I say that and he, he asks me what it means and I can't answer him? And like literally it's kind of like a tornado effect in my brain of like all these things and thoughts and what if I do this wrong and da, 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 da. And it's going around in my head and then she goes, it's your turn. <laughs> and I go, <laughs> no. <laughs> So, thankfully, she takes me again around with a second person, and I'm, I'm like, building up the courage. I can do this, okay, yellow form, I can got this. Um, take them to where they need to go, that's where the stuff is, whoop, got this. Trying to, like, give myself a pep talk, you know. And then I get to my person, and I look her in the eye, and I'm like, oh, gosh, I've got to tell this person about Jesus. <laughs> and I'm so, so nervous. Because also, I, I'm okay, like crowds of people I can talk to. As soon as it's one-on-one, -on -one, I'm like, what am I supposed to say? Oh, how are you doing? It's nice weather we're having, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's great. Um, so I take this woman, and I'm filling out the form, and I promise you, it was the longest time staring at this sheet of paper, thinking, how am I going to tell this person about Jesus? Jesus, I really need your help right now because I really, I did, okay. And I, I like put the thing down. I looked her in the eyes and went, do you know Jesus? <laughs> <laughs> but she answered no. 
And I was like, oh. <laughs> but then she said, actually, I've just been diagnosed with cancer, and in a month I'm going to start treatment. I think I want to know who Jesus is. And I was like, oh, what am I supposed to do now? <laughs> but at the same time, I was like, do you know what, God? You're with me. You've clearly given me this opportunity right now. And you wouldn't have just sent me out here with nothing. So I started talking. And luckily, before I got there, I'd actually like looked up some stuff. Um, there's some really good things out there if you are ever interested in telling someone about Jesus. I know that Paul wrote a um, Because You Love thing. You can go to becauseyoulove.com. Or there's also other things out there. I really like the four symbols one. Um, I can get the name for you if you're interested in using it. But I literally, I went into a conversation with her and I said, you know what, God loves you so much. We are all sinners. And Jesus came and died for us. But it didn't just end there. He rose again and we can have an eternal life with God. And she was like, yeah, I, I believe that. So then I prayed what we call the sinner's prayer, which is really simple, um, because it says in the Bible, when we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth, we are saved. So then I led her in a really simple prayer. Jesus, I believe you're there. I believe you're good. Thank you for saving me. I repent of my sins. I want to turn to you, and I want to live my life for you. Amen. That was it. <laughs> All that worrying. <laughs> All that panicking. And that was it. She said yes. And now she's going to be going to heaven. Hopefully not soon. I really pray for her cancer. At the same time, she knows where she's going. And that's awesome. And I was. it was a privilege to be a part of that. And now... I also got uh, connected to a church, so she's not just, it's like, woo, you're saved, okay, next one. Um, she's actually getting connected into a church family. And we also got the privilege of helping her with the groceries that she needed and everything that she needed to be able to, um, yeah, go about her daily life. And that was an amazing opportunity. But that was just one, because then as soon as I took the opportunity, and honestly, it's not even the opportunity, it's the being willing to take it. It's the being willing to be used by God. So then the next person came along and I was like, okay, Jesus, do you want me to lead this person to you? And he was like, no, 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 I've got this for you instead. And he gave me a picture for the person and I saw the person like fighting in my head. And that's the only way I can describe it really is I get like a picture in my head or I get like an emotional feeling that like this person's going through something like I feel angry or I sometimes feel sad or I can feel shame that I can feel like kind of like, the, the shame is like oozing out of the person. 
But this one person, I got a picture for them that they were fighting. And I didn't, I, I did the talk, I filled out the paper, and then I turned to them and I was like, I'm going to pray for you. And he was like, no, 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 I don't need prayer. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> because by that point, I'd plucked up the courage that I'm just going to pray for everyone who walks through that door. So I pray for him. And I say, like, Lord, uh, please help this person. I feel like they're fighting something. And... um. Yeah, you're good. You can help them. And then I opened my eyes and he was like. <laughs> and he was shocked. And he was like, how did you know that? And I was like, Jesus. <laughs> and I got then an opportunity to speak to him about Jesus. But it, it doesn't go the same way every time. It's different every time because God is so personal and loving that he wants us to be personal and loving to the person. When we're listening, when we're listening for God's voice, he's going to speak to us in different ways. No one's the same. I get pictures, but maybe someone else gets dreams. And I, do, I also don't want to limit how God can speak to me because God can speak to me through a song, one time I used to walk into my office and I'd be singing and um, my team leader would burst out crying and I'd be like, are you okay? <laughs> and she'd be like, you're just so prophetic, Becca. <laughs> I'm like, I'm sorry. <laughs> Tissues. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, went off on a little tangent there. I'm just going to recap. Think about what I just said. <laughs> So what are the things that I noticed when I took opportunities, when I was open to be used by God? I saw that everyone is gifted, and that's not something to hold to one side. That's something to be celebrated. I saw that we shouldn't compare because Reinhard Bonke, he was given this amazing blessing to be able to see thousands saved. We should celebrate that. But then we pray, God, either give me something of what he's going through or show me what I'm good at. Show me what my gifts are. That person, the people that I got to pray for, got to connect with God in a new way. Sometimes for the first time, sometimes I'd get the question out, do you know Jesus? And they'd be like, yeah, I do. And I'd be like, isn't he amazing? And they'd be like, yeah, he is. Fear fell away as I practiced. There was still like a nervousness, but I know that God has got me. And when I go to speak to people about him, I know that he's got my back and he's going to give me what I need for that moment. I was blessed. After the woman gave her life to Jesus, missed this bit out, literally as I'm like, I walked her to where she needed to go and I'm trying to keep calm. And then I'm walking back and I'm like, hey, 
someone just came to the kingdom of God. Aren't you excited? I'm excited. Just tell someone about Jesus. And then I went to Tilly and I was like, Tilly, someone just came to know Jesus and it's awesome. Aren't you excited? And she's like, yes, that's so cool. And I was like just wanting to tell complete strangers because I'd put my fear to one side. But it was exciting because it's a form of worship. To be used by God is a form of worship. To be willing, to be accepting, to take those opportunities is a form of worship. I did feel accomplished. I felt like, wow, like, God, I was able to get over that with you. That's awesome. But I got to fulfill the verse in Matthew that says the greatest commandment is to love God and love people. Because the most loving thing we can do for people is to take time out and is to give them an opportunity for God to speak through you or even to challenge them. Hey, have you ever talked to God? Do you want to talk to God with me? In Joshua 6, verse 22 to 25, um, it's afterwards now, and Joshua says, And Joshua said to the two men who had spied out the land, go into the prostitute's house and bring her out and all who belong to her in accordance with your oath to her. So the young men who had done the spying went in and brought out Rahab, her father and mother, her brothers and sisters, and all who belonged to her. They brought out her entire family and put them in a place outside the camp of Israel. Then they burned the whole city and everything in it, But they put the silver and gold and the articles of bronze and iron into the treasury of the Lord's house. But Joshua spared Rahab the prostitute with her family and all who belonged to her because she hid the men Joshua had sent as spies to Jericho. And she lives among the Israelites to this day. Now she actually went on and she married one of the spies. And um, now it's the line of... um, Jesus, because then she gives birth to Boaz, who marries Ruth, who then, and it goes and goes and goes, and there's this big long line, and then Jesus, how awesome is that? She took that opportunity and then got to be part of this amazing plan. But then I started wondering, what if? What if she'd missed that opportunity? What would have held the family back from going to her house and getting saved? Like, they didn't have to die. Fear would have held them back. Disbelief would have held them back. Denial would have held them back. Maybe who Rahab was, the fact that she was a prostitute. Don't know. How about comfort? Oh, just bought a new couch. Can't go. Sorry. YOLO. (laughs) What are the things that could have held them back? In May, my friend passed away. She was 21 years old. She went to go have a nap. And she never woke up. 
And the griefing process is something that it can go dark because I started asking, what if? She was married a week after me and David. So what if that had have been David? What if I could have been there? What if I'd have talked to her more? What if I could have gone to the hospital and prayed with her and God, you could have healed her because I believe you could have healed her. But that wasn't God's plan. And I really believe that there are opportunities we do miss. And I'm really sorry for the opportunities that I have missed. However, I chose after kind of going through the grieving process that I don't want to live in the land of what if anymore. I want to take every opportunity that I can to tell people about Jesus, number one, because then they can go to heaven and be with Jesus forever. But then also take the opportunities that it's going to change someone's life. And then that's going to mean that other lives can be changed. I decided not just just to take opportunities, but be willing for God to challenge me as well. For example, going into Dollar Tree and um, being at the cashier, that's an opportunity right there talking to that lady. But what if I missed it? I don't want to live like that. So I'm going to take the opportunities. And I have some questions for you, and I'm coming into a, a finish now if the band wants to. Um, so I want you to ask yourself, what are my opportunities? Are they in my workplace? Are they where I go to school, go to college? Are they where I shop daily? Are you ready for the opportunities when God brings them? Are you reading your Bible? Are you praying? Are you operating in the gifts that God has given you? Or do you even know what your gifts are? And my challenge for this week for everybody, including myself, is to pray for one opportunity to get outside of your comfort zone this week. Because I believe, and while I was praying and preparing, God showed me that chains were just falling off of people. And uh, I believe that can happen, and I want to pray for that to happen as well. So, what we're going to do real quick is, if you would like prayer for anything I spoke about, or maybe I was speaking and God laid something on your heart or challenged you in some way, and you just want someone to come pray for you, I want to pray for you. 
So while we're singing, you can just come to the front and I'm going to pray for you.